0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message.
1: Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Then Elisha, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set up the doors of it. Even unto the tower of Mia, they sanctified it unto the tower of Hananil. And next unto him builded the men of Jericho, and next to them builded Zachar, the son of Emery. But the fish gate did the sons of Hassanah build, who also laid the beams thereof, and set up the doors thereof. The locks thereof and the bars thereof. Verse number four. And next unto them repaired Merimoth, the son of Erijah, the son of Kaz. And next unto them repaired Meshalam, the son of Barakiah, uh, the son of Meshitzbul. Amen. <laughs> I'm glad we don't have these names today, man. Talking to Brother Morris about that, but nonetheless. And next unto them repaired Zadok, the son of Bani. And next unto them. Uh, the Techoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of their Lord. Amen. Thank you. You
0: may be seated. We are continuing our series in the book of Nehemiah. And by the way, uh, if for junior church, uh, it is uh, kindergarten through third grade. So if we have any guests and Um, You have a kindergartner. You'd like to uh, take your kindergartner to the junior church. uh, You can do that at this time. Also, uh, Ben, I meant to say your mom's here visiting. We're so glad to have you visiting, and uh, I hope uh, you'll get to meet her. And then, uh, Miss uh, Natalie, your parents, unless they cancel, they're coming. They told me they're coming, and I hope you'll look forward to meeting the Supmeirs. They'll be with us next Wednesday and next Sunday. And they've been missionaries in Mexico for twenty years, and so I hope you'll. Uh, meet them and other guests. I know I'm missing some. There's a few I still look forward to meeting, but we're glad to have you with us. Nehemiah, we've been in this book for several weeks now, and um, you may be wondering, you say, Pastor, what in the world are you going to preach about from chapter three? There's a lot of names. Did you notice that when Brother Dan was reading? Well, we only had him read five verses because there's a whole lot more names in that chapter too. Well, we got, I, I got something I want to show you that God spoke to my heart about. I I've, I've read this passage many times. I've never seen it quite like this before. I, I hope it'll be a help. I know it's been a help to me. But we saw in Nehemiah chapter one, we saw a burden to build. And I hope you have a burden to build. We saw in chapter two how that we all must have help from the heavenly hands. Uh, Nehemiah said, the good hand of God was upon me. And if you're gonna build anything, if you're gonna accomplish anything worthwhile in life, You're going to have to have the hand of God helping you because these hands that you're looking at, these hands are so weak. These hands are so frail, but I'm glad that I've got the help from the heavenly hands and those hands have never failed and those hands are the hands that hold the universe in place. Those are the hands of the mighty God and so we saw that in chapter 2. But in chapter 3, I want you to notice the need for the next you say, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? The need for the next. Well, I want you to notice with me, if you would, in Nehemiah chapter three, beginning in verse number two. And here's the thing that I had, I'd not seen it like this before, and the Lord spoke to me. I hope it'd be helped to you. But verse two, it says, and next unto him. Interesting. Verse four, and next. Unto them. Also in verse 4, it says, and next unto them. Notice verse 5. And what's the next word? (laughs) Next. Next unto them. Verse 7. And next unto them. Verse 8. Next unto him. Verse 8. Next unto him also repaired Hananiah, the son of one of the apothecaries. Verse 9. And next unto them. Now, folks, it's going to get harder from here, okay? So if we, don't, if we don't establish this one here, I promise you it's gonna get a little more difficult. Verse 10, and next unto them. Also verse 10, and next unto him. We get to verse number 12, and next unto him. Now, I'm gonna warn you, I don't want anybody to be embarrassed. When we get to verse number 16, this is a different word. So don't say next. Verse 16, it says, after him. Verse 17, After him, verse 17, next unto him. Help me with verse 18, after him. Verse 19, and next to him. Verse 20, after him. Verse 21, after him. Verse 22, and after him. Verse 23, after him. Again, verse 23, after him. Verse 24, after him. Verse 29, it's twice. Verse 30, it's twice. Verse 31, it's once. After him. I'd say that God's trying to show us something in this passage of Scripture of the importance of somebody being next. The importance or the need of somebody being next. The word next, it literally, it means to be side by side in location or in proximity. If I were to say, who's the person that works next to you at the job, then, you know, you'd you, you name who that person is beside you. Can I tell you, we all, in the work of God, we need somebody that will be next to us. We need somebody that will be beside us. You see, Nehemiah went to build the wall, and Nehemiah is the one that we often, we know his name, and we often refer to Nehemiah as the one that helped to rebuild the wall, but Nehemiah couldn't do it by himself. Ezra was largely responsible for the rebuilding of the temple, but Ezra couldn't build the temple by himself. You know what he needed? He needed help. I won't take the time in chapter 3 to read all the names, but can I tell you, just glance right now at chapter 3. Look at that chapter, 32 verses. There are a lot of names. And here's the amazing thing. God made sure that all those names were listed in Nehemiah chapter 3. You know what that tells me? It tells me that individuals matter to God. Individuals are important. You see, God, when He sees Victory Baptist Church, He doesn't just say, yeah, I think there's a bunch of people down there, but you know, it's Victory Baptist Church. But when God sees this church, did you know He sees you individually? He knows your name. He knows what you're going through. He cares about you. And here's the the beauty. And he wants to use you. And he wants to use me. Now, I'll tell you, there's times where I can't believe that God would use somebody like me. There's times where it hits me. You ever ever have that? I wonder for you men up here in that quartet. By the way, you guys do a great job. I'm, I'm not saying you're not good. You're great. You do a wonderful job. But you ever just get up here singing and you just think, I can't believe that God would use me. You ever get up in a Sunday school class, or uh, you ever, uh, you ever uh, get up in the choir, or you ever get in the nursery, or you ever get out as a, an usher or a greeter, or uh, you work in a junior church, many of you work in master clubs on Wednesday night, or, or, or do you ever just have, you look at your children, or maybe grandchildren, and you just say, I, I just can't believe that God gave me the privilege be a parent. God would give me the privilege to to, to invest in somebody. You ever look at your spouse and just think, I just can't believe that God would give me this, this, this wife or God would give me this husband. I can't believe that God would give me the privilege. I'll tell you this, God's given every one of us the privilege to serve Him. And I hope we never take it for granted. I hope we realize that we are important to God. We matter to God. We are valuable to God. And God took a whole chapter Nehemiah chapter three to list the names of people that were necessary for the work of God. If the church is gonna go forward, I'll say this, it's not gonna go forward with the pastor alone. It's gonna take some people that will stand beside the pastor. You see, I can preach... I can preach without support from people. (laughs) And sometimes I feel like I have preached without support from people. But can I tell you, I can't pastor without a group of people that'll be on board. You see, you can't teach a Sunday school class unless you've got some people that'll get on board. Uh, You can't lead a ministry. You can't run a business. You can't have a family unless you get people that will get on board. God has given us the privilege to serve him. And I want to show you for a few moments this morning the need for the next. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us. Give us exactly what we need for this hour, I pray. Holy Spirit of God, I pray you'd encourage our hearts and help us. And may we not miss the importance of this truth in this passage of Scripture. I thank you for each and every one of these people that were willing to do their job and to be faithful. Help us to do the job you've called us. Help us to be faithful to serve you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, as we get into this passage in chapter three, I want you to notice the brethren. It says in verse one, then Eliashib, the high priest, he rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate. You see, these were brethren. These were the people of God. These were the Jews. And they Well, first of all, they were all related. You could trace them all back to Abraham. But these guys, they were a team. Well, can I tell you here at the church, if you are a part of Victory Baptist Church, well, first of all, if you are a member of Victory Baptist Church, it's because you've been saved. We don't allow people to join the church unless they've been saved, unless they've been born into the family of God. So if you're a part of the family of God, guess what? We're a family. We're related. We are brethren. Uh, The church is not to say, ah, we're going to fight against this section over here. They're the enemy. Oh, and this section doesn't like this one. And this section doesn't like this one. No, no, no. This is a church that God has assembled together of brethren that ought to be working together for the glory of God. We see in Psalm 133, I've been talking about it on the Winning Side broadcast. And if, you're, if you don't know about that, 95.9 FM, uh, every uh, weekday, Monday through Friday at noon, we have the Winning Side. And uh, we're going through the book of Psalms. Psalm 133, the Bible says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Unity means we work together. Unity means that we've got to get on board and we've got to, for a cause and for a purpose, we've got to work as a team to accomplish something for God. I've been telling my girls this week, they started volleyball and they love it and I'm thankful that they get the opportunity and I've been, I've been reliving some of my glory days from sports. Oh, and I, by the way, by the way, if you wanna see a trophy case, let me tell you about all my trophies. Now, I didn't bring them out here. This probably would not be enough room to line up all my trophies. Uh, most of them are t-ball trophies, you know, where everybody gets one, right? And I did, a, I did a lot of years of t-ball. Let me tell you, I signed up for that as long as I could, so I get those trophies. But I was, I've been telling the girls some, some stories about sports. And it reminded me when I was in elementary, we had a team and we played in the a local boys club. We were, It was our school, Christian school, but um, there weren't a lot of Christian schools at the time that had an elementary team, so we played in the boys club, and we had a, a, a league and a conference, and there was a boy in that league who was incredible. He was the MVP. I mean, he was scoring, and it wasn't me in case you're wondering where this is going. Uh, I was really good at passing the water bottles. You know, I was quick on that, but um, they don't give out trophies for that. But this boy, he was, he was the MVP. He scored 20, sometimes 30 points a game, which in elementary basketball, that's pretty good. And we went through the whole conference. He got the MVP of the conference. And then in the tournament, we were facing this team. And I remember the fear, you know, in our, in our minds, and our hearts, we're like, no, what are we gonna do? We're playing against this MVP player. And we played in that game and our team, In that tournament, we beat the team that had the MVP. Now, have you ever been watching a game and the team that wins is shocked that they won the game? Have you ever seen that? I mean, and that's how we were. Like we won the game and we should have been celebrating and we should have been having a high old time. But I think we were more like, how did we do that? What just happened, you know? And I remember the next week we went back to school and of course that's the talk of the school. You know, you gotta tell everybody, hey, we won this game and we beat the, the MVP player was on that team. And I remember I was talking to one of the coaches in, in high school about it. And I remember it was between classes or a break or whatever, maybe it was lunch. And I said, I just can't believe that we beat the team that had the MVP player. And that coach from high school, he looked down at me, he looked, looked across at me and he said, well, Jeremy, he said, a good team is always going to beat a good player. Or a great team is always going to beat a great player. He said, because when you work together as a team, he said, five guys on the court working together is always going to be better than one guy on the other team. And can I tell you as a church, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. We must work together. You see, every person is important. Verse one, it mentions the high priest. Verse number nine, notice with me, it says, and next unto them repaired Rephaiah, the son of her, the ruler of the half part of Jerusalem. This guy was over half of Jerusalem, but you know what he was doing? He was working. We have in our church, we've got people who are in positions of leadership. And you know what we call those people around here? We call them workers. <laughs> you know why? Because they work. They show up early. They stay late. They jump in. They do all they can. Brother Gary, I remember the first time we were here. We got here in uh, February of 2014. Two weeks later was the Valentine's banquet. And I had never seen anything quite like it. After the Valentine's banquet was over, we stood around and we chatted for a few minutes. You know, Some people cleared out. And then all of a sudden, everybody jumped in. And within a matter of minutes, that entire gym building, the tables were put away, the chairs were put away, the floor was swept, the decorations. And you know what that was? That was a team. You know how long that would take one person? Hours, maybe days. But when a team works together, it's amazing what can be accomplished. You see, for those in our church, and I think about our staff, I wanna tell you, I'm thankful we've got staff members that work hard. I'm thankful for our deacons, but can I tell you, our deacons, they don't sit in a position and say, yeah, you know, I need everybody to do this. You know what they're doing? They're jumping in. They're serving. We've got people in our church that are serving and giving of themselves. It doesn't matter what your position is. What matters is that you do the work. Notice verse five. It says, and next unto them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of their Lord. Here's a group of people said, no, we're too big for that. We're too important for that. We don't have time for that. We don't want to get our hands dirty. But we're above that. Let everybody else do it. Well, friend, I want to tell you, if Jesus Christ could come, the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and if Jesus could humble himself, and if Jesus could become a man, and if he could be a servant, I think every one of us could be a servant, You see, uh, being great in the kingdom of God is not how many people that serve you, but how many people you serve. That's what the Bible says. We see, number one, the brethren. Everybody must work together. There is a story that is told about four people. These four people were named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. You've probably heard this before, but I think it's a good reminder. There was an important job to do and everybody was asked to do it. Everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody would do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. And I'm gonna give you a quiz on that as soon as the service is over. (laughs) I think you get the idea. Sometimes we just think everybody else is going to do it and in the end, nobody does it. Well, guess whose responsibility it is? It's our job to do the work of God. It's our job to do what God has called us to do. Number one, there were brethren. Number two, they were building. Now, I want to remind you that building requires work. You see, when I think of building, because I'm not a builder, when I think of building, I often think about Uh, HGTV you say oh do you watch HGTV no I don't (laughs) but I've seen some clips how many of you men know what I'm talking about you've seen some clips you know why because your wife says you need to see how they did this right you men are you're not falling for it you are so brave (laughs) many of you many of you are so smart you're acting ignorant right now keep it going as long as you can in that area ignorance is bliss but, but can I tell you, building is work. Building means you're going to get dirty. Building's going to require some blood, sweat, and tears. I've never built a wall. That's what Nehemiah and these folks were building. I've never built a wall. I've, I've helped build some fences. When I was in high school, my uncle had a fencing company, and I got to help him with that. And I'll tell you, that's a lot of work when you got post hole diggers and you're digging holes for posts. That's a lot of work when you even got an auger and you're hitting roots and you're getting thrown all over the place digging holes. That's a lot of work and a lot of, a lot of sweat when you're mixing concrete in a wheelbarrow and you're, you're taking it to the holes and you're filling those holes with concrete. Can I tell you, that's some work. And these guys, when they were building a wall, they weren't building a, a, a wall that was easy. This was not temporary fencing. Like, like I put up a few years ago, I we had a We didn't have a pet then, but we had a child that was um, similar, and um, we had to have a fence. Uh, Our daughter, who is not in the service right now, she's in the junior church, but our daughter decided that if she got outside, why stay in a big yard when you can run anywhere you want to in the neighborhood? And she thought it was cute, and she, she couldn't have been, but she wasn't even two, I don't think, 18 months, 20 months, and she'd get out, and she thought it was funny. She'd run as fast as she could, laughing the whole way, trying to escape. Now, Lacey and Savannah never did that. Chloe never did that. But Kylie decided that was fun. And so I, I ordered. And, and I, again, I, I don't know if I'd do this again, but I ordered a snow fence. And I put up a snow fence temporarily until we could get a fence up because I thought, I don't want to spend every day trying to find my daughter in this neighborhood. I kind of like her to stay inside, Right. Well, that temporary fence, that doesn't take a lot of work. You, know, you just kind of drive those T-posts those in and you kind of you know, put the, the, the clips on there to, to, to attach the vinyl. That's not bad. But can I tell you, when they come and they put in the permanent fence, that takes a little more work. Well, Nehemiah and these boys here, they're building a fence. They're not just building the fence, they're building a wall. They're building a wall not to keep a two-year-old in. They're trying to keep enemy out. This is a lot of work. This took a lot of time. It talks about building. It talks about repairing. It talks about the work that they were doing. Verse five, it says, the nobles put not their necks to the work, it's work to serve God, but it says the work of their Lord, capital L-O-R-D. I wanna remind you, this is not our work. This is not the pastor's work. This is not the deacon's work. This is not the staff, uh, their work. This is not the founding member's work. This here is Victory Baptist Church. This is the work of God. And we are enlisted in his business. We are enlisted in his work. Notice verse 20. I love this. I don't know what this guy's deal was. Maybe he was like the Energizer Bunny. Maybe he was just hyper. Maybe he was literally bouncing off the wall. I don't know what he was doing. But it says in verse 20, after him, Barak the son of Zebiah, earnestly repaired the other piece. This guy didn't just build, he didn't just repair, he did it earnestly. This guy was passionate, this guy was was on fire, this guy could not stop building the wall. But I wanna say this, we have a job to do and every part of the wall, every part of the work of God is important. So my job's not that big of a deal, I just serve in the nursery. I want to tell you, that's a big deal. You want to know why? Because try not having a nursery for a Sunday. Uh, Oh, my job's not big. I just sing in the choir. Okay. Well, what happens if nobody shows up? We don't have a choir. Well, my job's not big. I'm just an usher. Well, what happens if nobody shows up? Uh, My job is just this. My Oh, no, no, no. Your job is important. The job that God has called us to do is important. Every part of the wall is important. Now, we have on this platform, we have a half wall. And this wall is not to keep people out, (laughs) although I I would not recommend you try to climb over this wall. You know, there's an easier way. Uh, But this is just a half wall. But let's say this half wall represents a wall that's guarding the platform. So if if I'm coming in and I'm trying to get onto the platform, I'm not going to be over here trying to climb the wall. I'm going to look for an easier place. And I'm going to get to a place and say, hey, I'd come right in here. You see, the wall is only effective if it's complete. If the wall is not complete, then the part that is done is practically useless, right? So we put up a fence in our backyard. And what if I would have left a 10-foot section wide open? No, no, no gate, no, no, no barrier, no nothing, and I just said, well, it's 90% done, so hopefully my children will stay in. And now we do have a pet, you know, and hopefully that pet will stay in. Well, no. What's that that child gonna do? Go right for the opening. What's that pet gonna do? Right for the opening. Well, guess what? If you don't have the wall complete, guess what the enemy's gonna do? Straight for the opening. And you see, we're not building walls of protection in our homes and in our lives. We're not building walls of protection because we hate the people on the outside. We're building walls of protection because we love the people that are on the inside. And the wall must be built in your home and the wall must be built in your marriage and the wall must be built. And if there's a gap in the wall, that is a problem. I try not to get into politics, but I think this is worth getting into. We have a a president right now and this president campaigned by saying that he would not, build a wall on our southern border. As a matter of fact, here's what he said. His campaign, you look it up. He said, we will not build another foot of that wall. That's what he said. Well, the last president, he campaigned and said, we're going to build that wall. How come? Because we hate everybody on the outside? No, because we want to protect the people that are on the inside, right? Well, I just read, you got to look at the articles a couple weeks ago, the first part of August, Very quietly, our current president said, You know, I think we need to keep building that wall because it's amazing. All these people are getting in and they're not climbing over the part of the wall that's finished. Now, this is going to blow your mind. They're coming in the gap. They're coming in the open. I know that just blows your mind. But sometimes, sometimes we act that way spiritually, we leave gaps. We leave we leave we leave huge gaping holes when we're supposed to be protecting our marriages. We're supposed to be protecting our children. We're supposed to be protecting our own minds and our own lives and our own hearts. And we leave a gap, and then we wonder why Satan's coming right through. I got news for you: because you don't have the wall built, because you've not put up the proper protection. Number one, there must be the, the brethren and unity. Number two, there must be building. But then number three, there must be bracing. Would you notice with me in Nehemiah chapter three and verse number three, this is something I've read this so many times, I hadn't seen this before. It hadn't jumped out at me like this, but it says verse three, the fish gate did the sons of Hassanah build, who also laid the beams thereof, you gotta have the beams, and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. So this wall was built with some openings. This wall was built with some doors, but those openings were not left. There were doors. There were gates that were put up. And then those gates had bars and those gates had locks. Now, here's what you can do. You can have a house and you can have that house secure. You can have that house closed in. But if you leave the door open, your house is not protected. If you leave the door unlocked, you're not leaving your your home protected. I I would not go to bed at night knowingly and leave the front door wide open. Say, well, I'm sure there's not bad people out there. I don't know who's out there, but I know this. I care about the people in my house. And I want to protect them. And so I'm not just putting up a wall. I'm not just putting up a door. I'm putting a lock on that door. Can I tell you, we've got to put some locks up on the walls of our homes, the walls of our family, the walls of our minds. And we've got to keep the enemy out. Now, here's what I'm saying. Now, stay with me. You say, Pastor, that's... Of course, everybody knows that. Maybe. But if somebody came to my house this afternoon or tonight after church and and I had the door open, they just came walking in. They came walking into my house, they started cursing, reached into their bag and started pulling out booze, reached into another pocket and started pulling out their drugs pulled out a, pulled out a, a magazine with, with, uh, with pornographic pictures and started flipping through and trying to show my family or trying to show my girls and offering those things to my children. Can I tell you, that person's visit would be very short-lived because I would say to that person, you may do that at your house, but you're not doing that at my house. You say, oh, that's so judgmental. no. That's called common sense protecting your family. So we don't do that. But we allow the enemy to get in other ways with no protection. We allow the enemy to come in by way of the television, we allow the enemy to come in by way of the computer. We allow the enemy to come in by way of a cell phone or the way of a a a tablet or uh, the way of of technology, and and we turn a blind eye and say, well, I don't know what we're going to do about it. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, and I'll tell you what God's people ought to do. We ought to say, with God's help, we're going to lock the door. With God's help, we're going to put up some guards. We're going to put up some protection, and we're not allowing that junk in our house because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so Nehemiah said, we got to build a wall, but then we got to get some doors. We got to get some locks. We got to get some bars up because we care about the people that are on the inside and we don't want anything to hurt them. Number four, I see the word is beside. It's the word next. We see in this passage, the importance of having somebody working beside you the importance of having somebody next unto you. It says, and next unto him, and next unto them, and after him, and after them. That word next, it means neighboring, adjacent, adjoining the person closest or the person who is nearest. As Nehemiah was building the wall, he said, I can build this part, but I gotta have somebody that's gonna build this part. And then I gotta have somebody that's gonna build this part. And I gotta have somebody that's gonna build this part, and I gotta have somebody that's gonna build this part. And if we don't have somebody that is working alongside of us, the wall's gonna be in trouble. The people inside are gonna be in danger. And so we see the importance of having somebody that is working, laboring, building, repairing beside you and beside me. Acts 23. The Bible says, in the night following, the Lord stood by Paul and said unto him, be of good cheer. You know what jumps out to me in that verse? Is that it was at night, Paul may have felt like he was all alone. He may have felt like his his pals weren't there, his buddies weren't there, his co-laborers weren't there, but he said, I had the Lord who was standing beside me. And by the way, when you got the Lord standing beside you, you can be of good cheer. You don't have to be worried about the enemy and you don't have to be fretting and you don't have to be panicking and you don't have to be biting your nails. Oh no, what are we gonna do? If you got the Lord standing beside you, I wanna tell you, you're gonna be okay if you have the Lord beside you. 2 Timothy 4, Paul said this. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me you're gonna feel like at times that you are all alone. There will be times where the devil will tell you you're all alone. And you may tell me that you might be right. I feel like it right now. But you have a friend that is closer than a brother. Like the choir sang, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. Let me close with this. Number one, and I gave you the points. These are just a few closing thoughts. Number one, Don't forget that somebody is standing next to you. And that somebody is none other than Jesus Christ. If you've been saved, if you've been born again, you have Jesus standing next to you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never abandon you. He'll never let you down. He is beside you. He is next to you. Number one, don't forget that. Number two, this morning, I'd like to say we ought to thank God for people that God has put beside us in this life. I thank the Lord for many people in this room that have stood beside me. I thank the Lord for my wife. I thank the Lord for her support. I thank the Lord for love. I thank the Lord for encouragement. I thank the Lord for faithfulness. I thank the Lord for patience. Can I tell you, I thank the Lord for a wife who has stood beside me. I thank the Lord in our church. I thank the Lord for our staff. And Brother Dan and uh, Brother Dan and Miss Kelly, now I think about that school staff and I think about, I think about all those teachers and, and next unto him and next unto her and next unto them. And I just think about how, how, how critical that is. Br- Brother Dan and Miss Kelly, they, they couldn't run that school by themselves. It, it, it takes a team. It takes a group of people next unto them. I think about our church staff. I think about Brother Dan and Brother Nathan. I think about the, their wives and the blessing that they are to me and my wife. I mentioned in the early service, Miss O'Dell was back here, and I mentioned Miss O'Dell and the blessing that she has been and her faithful service and all that she does for me and all that she does for our church. Brother Gary, I think about when I came, I thank the Lord that I had you and Brother Mark Morgan that were next to me. I came into a place, I didn't know anybody, I didn't know anything, but I thank the Lord for people that stood beside me. I thank the Lord for our deacons. We've got a few of them that are in here this hour. Uh, Brother David is in here. Brother Michael was in the early service. And Brother uh, Glover was in the early service. And Brother Askew is here. And uh, Brother Charles is over in the uh, junior church. Okay, so I thank the Lord for deacons who have stood by me. You know, I I hear horror stories, and I'm sure you do too. I hear horror stories where people say, yeah, the deacons, they hate the pastor. They're trying to get him out. And I will tell you, I've read this book a lot, but I've never found that verse. Whew. I see the one where the deacons are supposed to be the servant and they're the ones that, that assist the pastor so the pastor can give himself to the ministry of the word and the ministry of prayer. But I've never seen the verse where it says that the deacons don't like the pastor, so they run him out. And by the way, I've not seen the verse either where it says that the pastor hates the deacons. And so the pastor is always getting on the deacons and the pastor is always critical of the deacons. I don't see that one either but I do see where they work together. And I do see where the church is in one accord. And I do see where the church works together for the glory of God. I thank the Lord for those who have stood next to me. I think about in our youth group, I thank the Lord for teens. I thank the Lord for our choir. Isn't it a blessing choir when you got somebody standing next to you? You see, if nobody's standing next to you, it very quickly becomes a solo, doesn't it? I thank the Lord for somebody that's next to you. I thank the Lord for somebody that's next to me. Number one, don't forget that Jesus is standing beside you. Number two, thank God for those who have stood beside you. But then number three, find somebody that you can stand next to. Find somebody that you can encourage. Find somebody that you could help. Don't go to him this week and say, now, Brother Mike, your pastor was preaching about that and I'm going to make you my special project and and I think you really need a lot of help, brother. And so me being the spiritual giant that I am, you know, I'm going to really try to reach way down and help you out. Actually, I think you're the one that needs help if that's your attitude. But find somebody this week that you could call, somebody that you could jot a note to, somebody you could send a text to, somebody that you could give a a smile and a kind word. Did you know you never know what somebody's going through? And your... Your interaction could make a difference in their life on that day. Find somebody that you can stand next to. And then lastly, I'll say this. Once you find your place, once you find that position, you say, well, here's where I'm supposed to be in the wall right here. This is my area. Well, guess what? Keep standing. Just keep on standing. Just stay faithful. Just don't quit. You say, well, when can we be done? When the wall is complete. Nehemiah and those men and those folks, they got the wall done, but guess what? We're not done until the trumpet sounds or God calls us home. And until then, stand in your place. And may we stand faithfully. May we stand side by side, day after day, until we hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant.